And really the reason why this is super important and we don't want women left behind is that if we continue on this trajectory, BCG has estimated that it could put women 20 years behind in terms of gender equity than where we are headed today. Because of the impact of climate, we could go backwards 20 years. So that is just an unbelievable number and super scary. Welcome to How Women Inspire, where women lead, invest, and give. I'm your host, Julie Castro-Abrams, founder and CEO of How Women Lead and managing partner of the venture firm How Women Invest, feminist, social justice warrior, mother, friend of 50,000 plus badass women, and an expert at helping top executive women get on boards and break down barriers for women entrepreneurs, investors, and social impact activists. In this podcast, we interview women influencers and leaders from across the globe who are in the C-suite, founding companies, investing, and agents of change. We'll share stories of how women lead. We'll provide insights and data, tips you can put into action, and get to know the women who have fiercely and unabashedly stepped into their power in leadership and open doors for other women like you. We discuss topics ranging from the journey of getting a board seat, how we can counter cultural frameworks that change the way the world views women leaders, what we're doing to close the gender funding gap, and driving equity for women in all aspects of life and career. My goal is that after every episode, you walk away feeling inspired, unstoppable, ready to level up and step into your power and influence. I want to break down the cultural narratives that hold us back collectively and those messy messages you heard that are taking up way too much of your brain space. I want you to know you're invited in because I know that together we can change the culture change opportunities, and create the future we want for our daughters and sisters and friends. This is our time. Are you in? Welcome to How Women Inspire. Today's guest is Linda Kinney, a climate tech visionary who served as the head of ESG and legal at Intel, which is repeatedly ranked at the top of Barron's list of the most sustainable public companies. She's an impact investor, plays an active role as a limited partner, an investor and venture advising climate tech CEOs and leadership teams. Before she moved to the private sector, Linda served in the federal government during three administrations, receiving the highest levels civil service appointment as a career member of the senior executive service. She played a leadership role in the wireless telecom and internet revolution and represented the Hollywood studios during the transition to digital delivery of online content. How fun to be at that cutting edge, Linda. Linda has also served on the board of trustees for the Consumer Technology Association Foundation, which links seniors and people with disabilities with technologies that enhance their lives. This year, she was recognized as one of the top 50 women to watch in 2023 by the Corporate Council Business Journal. Linda, I am so excited to get to spend time with you and for people to get to hear from you. Thanks for coming today. Thanks, Julie, for that really nice introduction. I am a huge fan and I've learned so much 
from these How Women Inspire podcasts. I just love listening to them and learning about other women and what they're doing. It's just super cool. So thanks for doing that. Yeah, well, your voice is really critical. And my God, like, I feel like we need a couple hours just to even toe dip into some of the cool things that you've been on the front line of. Would you actually start with something a little fun? Tell us what is your song that you listen to to celebrate or even to help you recover in a tough time? So there's a few things. What I was listening to right before this podcast, actually, is Lizzo's song, which is Feeling Good as Hell. And what I did was created a podcast, like a, sorry, a Spotify list Mm. of really inspiring songs. I've added a lot of them after listening to the How Women Inspire podcast. And that's what I've titled it is Feeling Good as Hell. And that just, that song always gets me jazz. Of course, I have to do the hair flip and check my nails and I get lots of eye rolls from my daughter who thinks that I'm corny. But anyway, it just... Oh, come on. I mean, you wouldn't be doing things right if your daughter didn't think you were corny on occasion. So that's that's actually... Oh, mom, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, yeah. Well, my daughter once told me she was so upset that the one thing that I didn't do right in her childhood was make her sit next to Nancy Pelosi and talk to her during dinner. I was like, well, if that's the toughest thing that happened in your childhood, you're just fine. So Linda, I would really, honestly, I would just love to hear so much about all the different parts of what you've been involved in. But can we focus on climate change today? Because boy, it was a brutal summer. And this feels to me like it is the issue and it's hitting us in the face. We got to deal with this. And when people talk about working on climate change, a lot of people think about Greta Thunberg and other sort of environmental activists. But you have been talking about the climate tech revolution, saying it's going to dwarf the digital revolution. How is that even possible? And what do you mean by that? So when I talk about the climate revolution and the green economy, I'm talking about really how it's going to touch every one of us and every aspect of our lives. So it's going to touch what we're eating because there's clean ag. It's going to touch what we're wearing. It's going to touch how we get around our vacations, the fuel, the types of cars we drive and all of our jobs. Every job is going to have a climate aspect to it, whether it's touching sort of the data or ESG or whatever the issue is. This is a once in a generation time, and we are looking at a very different world in the next 10 years, and we have a lot to do to get there. So do you feel hopeful about that? Or are you feeling like, I'm feeling a lot of stress about it. I have some investments in our venture firm in climate sustainability, but boy, it's pretty scary on this end. But you're in the thick of it. What, what do, Are you feeling hopeful? So- I'm feeling very hopeful in the sense that what's happened now, very much unlike what we call the first bubble in climate tech of investment, which kind of burst. And we are in a different stage now because we have the policy and the government lined up. We've got over $369 billion of government investment right now in climate tech. We have really from a public kind of sector perspective, people are understanding it's a problem. And partly because you just look outside and there's floods and fires and 
heat waves. So that's really driven this home. And now we have the private sector who's pouring money into these areas. In fact, the private sector is not on the climate side, has not been touched as much as the decline in investment in some of these other sectors. So I'm really hopeful about that. I'm not so hopeful about the role of women in climate tech. Why is that? I mean, I would think we'd be at the forefront. You know, we're not. That's not what the numbers say. All the studies are telling us that the future of jobs are really in the green economy. And we're looking at sort of by 2030, which is not that far away, about 67 million jobs in this sector. And only 25% of those are really going to women. And partly it's because of STEM. Of course, our numbers are down. But really, women are going to be in every... There's marketing. There's all kinds of things like recruiting and HR and things that are going to be touched by this green economy. And women just are not as involved or intentional. They end up in more volunteer positions than they do really at the forefront of the economy. All right. So how are we going to solve for this? What can women do? And maybe even tell us, like, how did you even get involved with this? You were actually at the FCC, right? You were overseeing and involved in all kinds of digital transformation in our country. And then you you became the guru here in climate. Well, actually, I started my career as an environmental lawyer when I was first in law school. And in fact, after working at a big firm, I kind of took a big risk and During the transition to democracy in Eastern Europe, I went to Albania for a year and drafted their first environmental laws to try to protect the climate there when lots of other companies were trying to dump toxic chemicals into Albania when the borders first opened up. So that was one of my first experiences with climate. But fast forward to more recently, I was at Intel and I was head of the product regulatory legal group. And ESG became a much more visible issue, both in the financial markets, but also even though Intel had invested in sustainability for many decades, it really became a bigger issue. And so there was a movement around and I basically raised my hand and said, you know what, I am happy to expand my scope and take on the ESG work. So I became head of ESG legal at Intel and it was great. I just participated in the very first green bond we floated. I understood the renewable energy credits we were purchasing. There's product ecology and kind of what substances go into products. I mean, there's so many aspects of climate and it's just incredible. It's growing every day. Do you, does somebody need to have an environmental degree or focus of their law degree in this case in order to be able to work in this space? Or do you feel like anybody who puts their hat in the ring can take one of the sort of ecosystem roles in this space? Not as a volunteer. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, because this is such a growing area and this is kind of one of my lessons learned early in my career is I got involved in the digital revolution and really drafting some of the initial rules for the internet and for broadband and deregulating telecom. And it turns out that if you get involved at the beginning, fast forward five, 10 years, you end up the expert because you're like, yeah, oh, right. you were there at the beginning. And so <laughs> even though there are lots of people who have done climate for 10, 20 years, it's now becoming mainstream. 
And so new jobs and new roles are being created. And it's not just for people who are engineers. It's not just for people, although there are new academic areas like environmental sciences, like that was not a thing when we were in school. And it's created, so lots of kids are getting into that. And But as this becomes mainstream, there are more and more specialized areas like communication. So it's going to be about communicating how sustainable your company is and whether there's greenwashing. Well, guess what? That's not a role that exists right now, but it is going to be a role in a couple of years. Every company is going to have to have somebody in their comms department who knows and understands climate. So there's so many opportunities if you just raise your hand, regardless of what your role is. Okay. So massive transformation in the market, huge jobs. It's going to touch all of us. And women don't seem like they're stepping into the roles today or that they're not projected to have a lot of the roles. It sounds to me like you're saying we all just need to step into the ring. Are there any other tips that you can share about how women can get climate literate and get access to some of those green jobs? So a few things I would say. I mean, one is just start by being intentional. And I think women are, at least my experience with my friends, tend to be very conscious of recycling and trying to do the right thing at home and composting. That's great. That is absolutely critical for us to make progress. But beyond that, like, how can you also understand the bigger picture? So I'm going to put a plug in for Canary Media, which is a nonprofit independent newsroom. And they put out a newsletter. You could just go to the website, Canary Media, just Google it and sign up for the weekly newsletter. This may be a little wonky for the average person because it talks a lot about EV batteries and what's going on and the trends. But if that's going to become part of your job and you're going to raise your hand, you do need to become conversant in those issues. And there are plenty of podcasts. I mean, I've listened to so many, I feel like dozens, hundreds of podcasts on every issue of sustainability. And I make an effort of looking at the news. There's always something. Biden's announcing a new initiative, just paying attention to what's talked about. So it's really a question of being intentional. And and really the reason why this is super important and we don't want women left behind is that if we continue on this trajectory, BCG has estimated that it could put women 20 years behind in terms of gender equity than where we are headed today. Because of the impact of climate, we could go backwards 20 years. So that is just an unbelievable number and super scary. That is, it's massive. I feel like this has now got to be one of the number one things that we're talking about at How Women Lead. So put your hat in the ring, step in, get conversant. And outside of a climate tech-specific job, how do you take other actions? I mean, certainly you talked about, of course, we're, you know, I've been composting for 20 years. But what about your financial portfolio? Like somebody said to me once, like, look at your Schwab portfolio. My guess is all this stuff you're doing in your day-to-day life, you've got some investments in some mutual fund somewhere hidden that you're inadvertently participating in things you don't want to be. What, what are those kinds of things that we need to be, be really careful about? Okay, so a few things. The first, I'll start with low-hanging fruit. There are lots of companies, some really innovative AI and startups. In fact, I've talked to a CEO just recently 
started one of these that is actually creating these portfolios for like Fidelity and Schwab where they are investing in some clean tech and then the rest is the S&P 500 index minus the fossil fuel and those companies that are going down. And part of what you need to do, part of what has to happen is really persuading and influencing pension funds and even your 401k at work, talking to the HR folks and figuring out how can that be an option in my 401k? Because those funds generally are not in your 401k. And so you're investing in fossil fuels and you don't even know it. So that kind of thing can have a really big impact. And let me tell you, if there are big pension funds that are saying, you know, this conversation is happening on Wall Street, that they are really de-risking by getting out of fossil fuels, that's going to create a boardroom conversation. So there's a ripple effect. Number two is venture. And I know you are a big fan of that. And there are so many great climate tech startups right now. And you can invest some of your IRA, your 401k money. I mean, you have to have a move it into custodial account, which is what I did. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't have to be just in these traditional index funds or something or bonds. It can be in this new growing area. And just think for a minute. Would you say to anybody 20, 25 years ago, like, well, would you want to have any of the digital economy companies like Facebook, Google, Uber, Microsoft, Apple? Would you want your investment portfolio to not have those companies in it? Right. Well, that's where we're, I mean, the next 10 years, the unicorns are coming out of the green tech. So yeah. don't you want to be a part of that? And that's how women fall behind. Yeah, Larry Fink at BlackRock said that's going to be the majority of all the next unicorns. So 100%. Thank you so much because this is, it's a big wake up call for most of us. I think a lot of us are not understanding the massive transformation it's going to have on our lives. It's like if we would have ever told you in the, in 1990 that our lives are going to come completely digital. We were so nascent back then. So to me, I sort of think about it similarly. So Similarly, but more, I just have to say even, even more, more. Even this more. is going to dwarf the digital revolution, dwarf, even though you have internet in your hand, right? In your phone, this is going to impact the automotive industry. So your car, again, your clothes, like every industry is going to be touched. That is so much bigger than just the internet companies. Yeah. Yeah. So can we talk just a little bit about what those companies of tomorrow are that you see, like, you know, give us the sort of stock tips, if you will. But like, what are the companies of tomorrow that you see? Is it someone who's contributing to electric batteries? Like, what are the different companies that you think are really innovating? And what's what's it looking like today? I know it's gonna be different in 10 years. So I think, first of all, it's all of the current, most of the current industries are going to be touched, including ag and everything else. But in terms of the new areas that are developing, I'll tell you one area I'm super excited about is battery storage. And the reason I'm really excited about this is that if everybody's going to have an EV, we know that's true in California, it's being mandated by regulation, then we're going to have so many more batteries that are have to be developed. And the innovation around that, trying to get like cobalt 
out of the battery. We don't want to have to rely on China and the Congo for that. So that's one thing. And also long-term energy storage. And the reason why is solar is a huge part of renewable energy, and it has to be a solution for us in the future. But we don't just use energy during the day. And so there has to be a storage solution that can store that energy and we can access it in the evening when we run all of our washing machines and dishwasher and everything else. That's the peak demand and solar is not being generated at that time. So we really have to solve that long-term storage. And I think that's going to be a really huge opportunity. All right, you heard it here. Either start a company or invest in it. I mean, that it, it's a it's critical and it makes complete sense. Anything else that we should be thinking about when we think about participating in the private market space, investing in venture related to climate? Yeah. So, one other area I would mention that's huge if you talk to any VC, mm-hmm. and that is because there's so much government funding going into climate right now. That's all non-diluted capital. So essentially, it's unlike having to give away shares of your company to get financing. And there are companies that are basically building their business and it's being funded through government grants. Even some government grants will provide like materials for you to test at early stages. This is even before you have a product or you, you're cash positive. And so it's unbelievable how much money is going into the sector right now. And and so looking at those opportunities and making sure that the portcos who are in the fund are taking advantage of those is super important. Yeah. All right. So massive, huge opportunity as a venture capitalist to know you make an investment and that then also gets double, triple down with with non-dilutive investments from the federal government. Like that's spectacular, huge win for everybody. You have had the introduction with such a fun little roller coaster because my gosh, you've been in so many different industries. Almost every five years, you've kind of moved on to a new role, whether it's government or working for a founder or large industry, then a Fortune 100 tech company. How have all these different experiences shaped how you show up? So it's interesting. I really think one of the things that this was actually an intentional career path. And I say it's intentional because I've always worked with a career coach. By the way, this was one of my big aha moments was when I was selected to be in the senior executive service, I was given a coach and I was like a coach, like other people don't seem to have coaches. It what I didn't realize it wasn't a thing or it wasn't something I was familiar with. And then I was like, wait a minute, every major league baseball player who ends up on the Yankees, they have a coach. It's a pitching coach. It's a batting coach. It's a fielding. And they take their already excellent experience and bring it to a new level. So of course, the people who are at the leadership level need these kind of external advisors who continue to help them grow and develop. And so my coach said to me after when I was kind of, I, I've, again, I've had one since probably 20 years. And she said, look, you know, the telecom sector inside and out, you wrote the rules, you have the network wireless, you've now worked for the motion picture industry, the content folks, you can pick up the phone, call someone in Hollywood. So how about the tech industry? Like, 
that is where a lot of growth, that's where the future is. You don't seem to have that on your resume. So that's kind of how that came about. So when I started looking into it and got an offer from Intel, I was like, wow, Silicon Valley, they started Silicon and Silicon Valley. Like, (laughs) I'm going to go work for the Silicon and Silicon Valley. So now I know people in the tech industry. Oh, yeah. More than know them. Linda, you are such an extraordinary leader in our country. We What a gift to get to spend time with you. And I am so glad that the people got to hear from your journey. I've always had an executive coach. I think it's critical. There's so many aha moments in this conversation. What's next for you? And how can people get in touch with you? So I have a couple things. One, sort of on my bucket list is I'd love to work for a female CEO. I just would want women to lead and really be successful. And I want to put all my effort and energy toward making a female, like a founder or CEO or or someone like that. I really would love to be on their leadership team and see them grow and conquer the world. So that that's kind of one thing. The second thing is, I'm really excited and would love to be work on a public board. And here's why understanding what you, what you hear from the research and what all the CEOs are saying is climate is their number one risk and their number one opportunity. And this is where I fit in because having all of these varied experiences, I understand the government role. I understand large public company, I understand, worked for a founder. So I understand kind of that whole thing, but I also understand and know how to de-risk from a climate perspective, especially like the new legislation that Newsom just came out with in California, where you're going to have to report on all your supply chain emissions. That is enormous. That is an earthquake in the marketplace because a lot of companies, 90% of their emissions are in their supply chain and they're going to have to be transparent about that. And then that's going to spread. Europe's going to adopt that rule. It's going to be everywhere. So this is a monumental change for companies. The boardroom needs to be all over this. And this is where I can help and add my skills. And I can be reached on LinkedIn. That's the best way. I check it regularly and I'm very active. So, well, my guess is a a whole bunch of public company leaders are going to snap you up in just a a quick hot second. And boy, would any woman leader be lucky to have you by her side. Thank you so much, Linda. I mean, what talk about women inspiring. Thank you so much. Thank you, Julie. And thank you for being a leader in our community and for all that you do. It's just wonderful. I've loved every minute of it. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of How Women Inspire. And because your inspiration should not stop when this podcast ends, head over to our website, howwomenlead.com. Follow us on LinkedIn at How Women Lead and subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app to find out how you can proactively take charge and step into your power through our workshops and activism in our loving network. We want to propel you. See you next time, ladies. And remember to be unabashedly visible.